Alright guys, welcome back to uh, Ken Dog's Pod. This is part one of two of uh, the collaboration with the Gluten Fits podcast. You might have already seen this over on their Spotify and over there. Um, if you have, then I'm sure you'll have loved it and you don't need to listen to the rest of this. But if you haven't, then uh, do stay tuned and uh, have a listen. This is a really in-depth podcast where we go into things such as body image and sort of the pressures put on young people to look and act a certain way. Uh, if you do enjoy this and you want to see more of us, make sure you follow us on the Instagram and also subscribe. Uh, if you want to go and follow the Gluten Fits boys, I'm going to leave all the links to everything in the description. They're really nice lads. They produce some really, really good content. So I highly recommend. Uh, and with that, enjoy. Hello and welcome everyone to episode six of the Gluten Fits podcast. We are joined today by a very special guest in Tom Kenyon from the Ken Dogs Pod. Is that is that right? Yeah, spot on, mate. Spot on. Now it. Um, I mean, I'm Joe, as you know. Max, you want to say I'm Max? I'm Max. And <laughs> <laughs> um, what are we talking about today, Max? Today, uh, we're going to talk mostly, uh, we're focused about body image and perhaps leaning into other topics such as dysmorphia um, and motivation for things like fitness. Um, and this is where our friend Tom Kenyon today uh, joins us. Hello. Hello, Firstly, Tom. Firstly, huge disclaimer, not a uh, not a professional. I have no idea what I'm doing, quite honestly. I'm happy to uh, give any tips that I have. But, uh, yeah, pleasure to be here, lads. Pleasure to have you. Uh, right, did we want to start off with anything that comes to mind straight away um, about body? Any of your experiences that you've had struggling? To be fair, I've had a good, que- I had a good question from Holly, which was, how has your yeah, relationship but- with thoughts about your body changed throughout uni? So that might be a good Oof. place to start so throughout uni i guess it's changed more I'd, I'd argue that it's changed more in the sort of three years while i've been at uni than it has in any of the previous years sort of leading up um and i think i guess that's a combination of the drinking and sort of like the drinking culture and the uh mm. sort of social aspect and finding it harder to find time to be able to focus on yourself and your body the but then body, equally i'd argue in the there. last yeah yeah but i think in the last maybe like half year i've been able to get a bit of a handle on it and sort of I feel quite happy with myself and sort of where I am now. What you, about food and your relationship with food? I feel like that's changed at uni as well. So, I, yeah, I mean, maybe like first couple of years, until lockdown, until the first lockdown, until fucking Corona actually mm. arrived. <laughs> I think um, I was completely fine. And I didn't really pay much attention to it. And then once sort of lockdown started, I had it in my head where I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to make myself really fit. I'm going to eat salads every day and sort of, <laughs> yeah. and it just was not sustainable. And it was really quite damaging because yeah. I'd get into the routine of the cycle where I'd be eating sort of like not many, very many calories per day. I'd feel shit because I've just worked out and I'm like lethargic and tired. Yeah. Um, I'd wake up feeling like ill in the morning after, I mean, I'd have to eat more to like sort of compensate. Uh, compensate, yeah. And I just kind of carried on in that sort of cycle. It was a bit vicious, really. Um, so, and thankfully, I'm sort of past that stage now and I'm kind of better with it. But there's definitely sort of like a blip in that, uh, in that first lockdown where I struggle with it. But on the whole, I think that um, as long as you're, mindful about what you're eating i think it's perfectly uh acceptable to carry on with sort of like a healthy lifestyle at university um max do you wanna I've, I've, well so like my relationship with food in this way um no bread. compared to most people i feel like I, i'm lucky if you, um because i i really struggle to put on to put on weight like i can eat loads and not put on anything 
and with alcohol, like most people I know, with beer, and it goes straight to their gut, doesn't it? Or I can't have beer. Yeah. So I suppose <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't have that problem. It's a helping hand. <laughs> yeah. In in that respect, it is a helping hand. And but throughout uni, I think my body's changed, and I I definitely looking back at pictures actually of myself. Uh, definitely, I've changed. When I came to uni, looking at me, I was re- I was so much skinnier than, than I am now. Um, mm. And I don't know, I, I've had blips where I've had really, really low points and higher points, but I think I've been, I'm lucky enough to be uh, around people that are very helpful um, with words they say and things they've done for me to make me feel better about my body, I think. Yeah, it's very easy to get in your own head like that, I feel. And to have that sort of support network around you to tell you, listen, you're not sort of looking this way or like sort of, I think mm. in your head, you portray yourself in a certain manner and to everyone else, they see you in a completely different light. And it's important to have those people around you to bring you down and sort of ground you a little bit. To fair, Max, I, I think, think our house is really, really good for that in terms yes. of we all really support each other like that. Like, I mean, we do really have, I'm not going to call it a gym culture here, but we all are all very acutely aware of our fitness, I think. But equally, yeah. we're very prone to compliment each other, sometimes in quite a flirtatious way. Uh, Lally, I'm referring yeah. to you <laughs> uh, here more than anyone. Um, but I, I think it is useful if you're, in particular, you're feeling a bit down about your body to be reassured by some people who are given direction or purpose or stuff like, for example, Max, you know my diet is absolutely appalling, um, yes. namely Tom, because I only eat about four kinds of food, <laughs> just because I'm really, really bloody fussy. But what what that means is Jesus. that <laughs> it, it means it's, that like, it's just plain chicken, isn't it? No, no, no. I, I, I'm not taking that anymore. I've started buying spices. I've started. What did I get? I got paprika. Salt and pepper don't count. No, steady on. I, I bought paprika. On, smoked, smoked something. I don't know what you can. Smoke. Barbecue. Barbecue was the. Barbecue, that's not spices, I don't know. But I, I've been I've been branching out. All purpose seasoning is sick as well. Um just because you, know, you can use it for whatever. But regard like the um I like the Chinese nine spice seasoning. That's yeah. a banger. You can literally throw that on anything. Yeah, no, that already seems too advanced for me. I'm gonna take this one step <laughs> at a time. Um <laughs> But what what is good is that because my palette is so small, is that you know, the others do advise me on what I could do to actually branch out like Bobby has recommended foods to me before and things and mm. you know Finn has given me a whole lecture before on what food I'm eating wrong how having a croissant every day is probably not the best kind of carbohydrate to be consuming um so the thing is if I wanted to branch out and focus more I would have the support Could to do, do that you. but yeah I'm just too bloody fussy like, you're like yeah like people like uh like Kieran and George who are probably like chefs will tell you oh, I should do this I, it's my own fault I don't listen I just can't be bothered to cook properly yeah um, that, but that's off my own back. But uh, I feel like we're lucky in that respect that we've got people like that. And Tom, I imagine you've got people around you exactly the same. Yeah, exactly the same, mate, in our house. We we also have another uh, person in our house who basically eats plain chicken, uh, melted cheese on nachos and plain pasta with like a slice of ham on. Respect. They're like his three main staple uh, food groups. But I think also the other side of it is, is important to sort of maintain the, the fact that it's... Uh, you know, mentally speaking as well, if you want to eat whatever you want in a day, if you want to have a croissant every day, there's absolutely <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Maybe it's not necessarily Damn going right. to be fantastic <laughs> for your body going forward, like years and years, but yeah. if you're in the mental state of you want to eat that, then I don't think there should be any reason you should stop it. And I guess that leads on to um, another point that I kind of uh, should have mentioned before with um, in the summer, I was also calorie counting. Mm, and right. for me, that was very sort of, it, it really sort of, um, it took a toll on my mental health. 
um, sort of having to succumb to this like number that I needed to either reach or like sort of cut down to every day and stuff like that, depending on what I ate in the day. Whereas like it didn't really fit my schedule. It didn't really fit my eating habits particularly well. Yeah. Um, and now I've completely just cold turkey stopped that. As it of, can become like, toxic May and stuff like that. Yeah, massively. And I think that's sort of where a lot of like the body dysmorphia and like the eating, like the, um, you know, like all the disorders and stuff like that, that can stem from that. Mm. And I don't really I think, think it's publicized as much either. I think a lot of people um, go for it. Like I've got family members who have had, is it bulimia? Where, you, where they make themselves sick afterwards? Yes, yeah. Mm. And things like that. And I think it's really, I think it's a bit of an unspoken thing, really, um, eating disorders. I think like, I know a lot of people have had it, but you don't get many people coming out and talking to other people about it. Do you know do, what I mean? Do you think people don't recognise whether they have one or not because they're sort of in their bubble where they think this is really normal? Yeah, I think a lot I, of time, I, yeah. I think that's true, yeah. I mean, it's not It's not something that's, in my opinion anyway, ever I've been ever educated on it. So I wouldn't know really what the signs are, really. It's only when other people have said to me, oh, that's a sign for bulimia, and then... We yeah. got and I looked it up and I was like, yeah, she's got this. And then luckily she got help and now she's out of that stage. But yeah, I've never learned anything about any eating disorders, to be honest. I think it's also especially taboo in uh, sort of like men as opposed to women as well. Not that um, like there's any sort of difference at all. But I think that you get it, uh, you see it a lot more in the news and stuff like that with like bulimia stories that all tend to be women. And I think mm. that it's not necessarily publicised for men to be able to go through this, those sort of struggles as well. Yeah. I mean, Max, it might tie into what we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, just sort of toxic masculine ideas of not, not not necessarily not opening up, but it's mm. all along those same, sorry guys, I've just seen a massive fucking spider <laughs> right <laughs> over the mic and it's just looking at me, Jesus Christ, um, wow. I'm this gonna is what happens when you don't wash up your dishes. Um, it's got nothing, it's hanging from my bookshelf, what the, f- Jesus Christ. Um yeah. Judging your podcasting ability. It's judging my podcasting ability, Jesus. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, it might play into sort of ideas of men not, you know, again, opening up or expect men being expected to be sort of strong and invulnerable. Not invulnerable, but you, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. That, but yeah, I think it definitely affects girls just as much as guys and vice versa. It's just that, yeah, maybe you're right, Tom, in that, yeah, it's an issue probably possibly more widely talked about um, in girls, but I'm not sure at all, really. The girl uh, who actually messaged me yesterday, obviously I won't use her name, but she said she feels like it's different for girls because girls' body image and like problems with it all pretty um, kind of stem from trying to impress men and what men say about it, as in, oh, uh, I need a girl with a big bum, this size boobs, that they're too small, um, they're too big, yada, yada. And then I said, do you not think it's the same for men in respect that men want to impress girls or they'll get said like, oh, you haven't got abs, you haven't got big arms, right? That was my opinion. And then they said, oh, all the girls I know don't think like that. Yeah. I, like I, they're, they're not that shallow. But now I think most boys I know aren't that shallow about girls if, if they've got a certain size boobs. That's just the ones I know. I, I was going to say that, yeah. I think that if to maybe like the toxic like lad, maybe they're going to be like, or maybe they're going to give off the image that they like they care about, like a big bum or like big boobs or whatever. But I think, I mean, I can speak on behalf of probably us three where we're like, it massively depends on personality. Yeah. Like yeah. That's, yeah. Com- that's completely the first thing that any sort of person, like normal person would look for. I 
probably yeah, say. But like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I do look at looks as well. Like you've got, I've got to find you attractive, but I'm not this kind of guy that goes, oh, I need this size boob. She has to be this slim. That's you know what I mean. And you, you got to reasonably find them attractive, but personality bumps that up huge, huge amount. Yeah, absolutely. I have had this discussion with girls in terms of, yeah, that comparison between obviously women have, or what that girl has described, that sort of standard that women have to supposedly live up to to be attractive to men. And I, yeah, gave the other side, as you just sort of said, Max, about there is this archetype of, so uh, men, some men go to the gym to work on themselves, but some men, I know I have in the past, to, I've gone to the gym to try and get my body looking a certain way that will make me more appealing to really? a girl in terms of trying to get abs for one, which is, mm. you know, I think... That's how my gym's journey started. Yeah, no, it's yeah. how my, this is quite a funny story, <laughs> and I hope my ex doesn't listen to this, but she doesn't know that it's true. Um, is the, they called this is like five fucking years ago. Um, but my, <laughs> I can't believe I'm talking about this. Uh, my oh, ex, God. um, really liked abs. Um, and well, I didn't have abs at the time, but this was before I was with her. Um, and so I went on this sort of gym rampage in an attempt to get, uh, abs, and I got this sort of, you know, like, I don't know, four pack maybe, <laughs> really, really thinly defined. But, you know, it was enough to get me over the line, uh, <laughs> per se. And what's, what's I find really funny is that, so we did eventually get to go and whatever is that, I don't know, probably a couple months later, you know, I just stopped caring and, you know, I yeah. lost the, I lost the abs and it was fine because it was like, oh, she likes me now. And it, it was, it was true. It, your own it, skin. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it was true. It was like, yeah, I'll, you know, she's like, oh, I'm sure she didn't just get with me for my abs. But it was sort of the funny psychological thing going on in my mind where this was something that I had to work towards, you know, in order to make myself appear more attractive. And, you know, it's just something I'm not going to complain about. It's some sort of societal oppression for me to sort of look like that. It's something that, you know, if I put my mind to it, you know, maybe more girls than not will find me attractive because of that. So, but it's just in my my case that's what um, that's what happened. So I think I think a lot of people can relate to that. Quite honestly, yeah. I mean, um, I was going to touch upon the fact that I mean, um, you look at like the gym. I don't know if any of you follow the Gymshark Instagram page. I, I if know, you look on there like, and you see like the yeah. Gymshark models and stuff like that. Every, like, there's a lot of um, like credit to them. There's a lot of like the body positivity in terms of like the females. Like, there's a lot of sort of like um, mm. plus size, but then also like really skinny. All different kind of body types for uh, the women models. And then yeah. you sort of look to the men once. I don't think I've seen a single one that isn't completely shredded, like massive yeah. six pack, humongous chest, probably benches like 200 kilograms kind of thing. Like mm. probably taking steroids, but they're never going to like publicize that, yeah. you know, like allegedly fucking whatever. That's and problem, I think that it? that's also, that's also kind of where it stems from. I think that um, you're looking at these completely unrealistic uh, body types and expected to, compete with that sort of thing for yeah. female attention. I mean, at the end of the day, any lad sort of between 16 and 19, that's probably going to be one of the most important things that's on their mind. Yeah. So for them well, to look at these models on like the Gymshark webpages and like on uh, YouTube when they see them doing the, the videos and stuff like that, I just think it's quite unfair, really. No, I agree. It's what we, everyone seems to aspire to. Like girls want to look at these models. They've got to be this size, like a size eight or whatever it is. Isn't it? And then boys have got to be these arms and I think the thing like plus size models I've seen for, for women especially that's, that's great because it allows slightly bigger women to feel more comfortable in their own skin and feel like they can look like that and it's okay even obviously that there's a long way to go still because obviously majority of women don't feel like that yeah of course but yeah I agree for men I've never seen uh, really like plus size 
mod male models or things like that. I could, I I could probably game. go on the record and go on the Gymshark Instagram right now and I wouldn't be able to find a picture of any right. man that isn't sort of like completely what shredded. What I was also going to say is when you actually go to the gym, if you want to start getting big as well, I don't know about you, when I first went, and even now, 100%, I feel so um, uncomfortable. Like, I look around and I see all these guys with huge muscles lifting all these weights, and I'm like, what the hell is me trying to get up 5kg? I remember the first time me and you, Max, sort of ventured into the free weight section. (laughs) I went there, I think, in the beginning, in first year, I started going with Charlie. Um, It it took me time, but I eventually worked my way into being mildly comfortable in that section. But even then, Mm -hmm. everyone there is twice the size of me, and I think without Charlie being there, I I wouldn't have ventured into that um, section of the gym. And it's just, yeah, being surrounded by these very butch you know really hench uh men there is a certain intimidation there but it's also something when you do get comfortable there you a realize how silly it was that you were so intimidated and b you know you feel sort of quite good about yourself that you're now comfortable in that environment i suppose yeah i could see it was quite i could see how it would be quite intimidating at the start i was kind of always just average size from like my rugby and football background um Mm. meaning that when i sort of transitioned to the gym i didn't really feel that sort of pressure but I came to an epiphany sort of probably about this time last year where every single person in the gym will feel like how you felt because people never really shed that kind of um, mindset as they go in they're always trying to get bigger or get into a certain shape and stuff like that so if you're going in there sort of like feeling a little bit conscious of like if well yeah are people looking at me like oh am I doing this right am I doing this wrong everybody feels like that Mm. True. I've never I mean, thought of it like that ever before. Actually, just you know, no, no one's walked in there. This six foot five muscular brute. They've all started from some scratch, and you yeah. know, you go in there, and everyone's just at different stages in that. So that, yeah. that's a really positive way to think of it. It depends who you go. Like someone like Charlie, he's quite a good person to go with because he's like a, a no shits kind of given guy. So true. I, I remember I saw a thing on on some Instagram page of like an overweight guy going to the gym. And his mate that tried getting him to try and obviously improve his lifestyle went in ridiculous outfits to draw oh, atten- to draw attention away from his mate. And I think when you've got mates like that, you need them sometimes to break that barrier. Cause it's so easy saying, "Oh, now I do it. it." It was so silly. But for people in who are really, really not happy, happy with their bodies, it can be such a big barrier to actually go to the gym in the first place and continue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going, going back quickly to that um, sort of plus size thing you were talking about and with the Gymshark stuff, do you think, this is just I'm sort of exploring this thought as I, I talk, it's sort of a fact that, you know, there's not been that time, I'm not saying a plus size movement for men or whatever, but, you know, for, for, for years it's always been, you know, women, hourglass figure, there was a lot of controversy I think about women the ideal woman being really really thin i think victoria beckham might have gotten a few sort of publicized things around this i could be making that up but this idea that sort of because society was largely what well, has been largely male dominated for a while that you know the, this sort of reactionary stuff and women comes as a result of that but men there's still that lag behind because you know there hasn't ever been that discussion around men yet and now it's sort of coming into the public domain but that might be why there hasn't been sort of the, you know, gym shark stuff that we see in women, in men or, you know, correspondingly. Something I've just thinking about as we talk, really. Yeah, no, I can I can understand that, actually. I've never really thought about it. I think there's always, I mean, there's always going to be the change in culture and society of what is deemed the idealistic body type, isn't there? Like you spoke about the hourglass, like yeah, it, it, it passes with time. I mean, I, I remember watching a video where it was like uh, fashion styles through the ages 
or like um, like men and women through the ages or something like that. And it's kind of like this transition video from like the 40s all the way to like the 2010s and sort of like the change in, in like the body types and stuff like that and how people sort of, they got like uh, sort of like hourglass figure and then they went back to skinny and sort of like complete mixture. And um, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I guess I could see where you're coming from. It's quite a hard question to answer that. Yeah, I, I was just thinking as I go, Max, are you there or is your mic on? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm yeah, here, sorry. just checking, what, just checking. What was the point you made again, sorry? Deep in thought. Um, just sort of the, you, you know, because of men having a history of sort of, you know, controlling the media and things being patriarchal and whatever that, and, you know, there's been the hourglass figure, there's been all the controversy about women having to be seen to be thin. And now over mm. the past 10 years, there's been these counterculture reactionary things like plus size movements and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you think that because men have not digitally had those same you know oppressions faced upon them do you think that therefore there has been like like tom pointed out with the gym shark stuff there's no corresponding you know really large man a uh, really really skinny man sort of positivity yeah. uh, movement not i'm saying no. there should or shouldn't be really it's just an observation no, I, I agree with that observation i think that's 100 i think yeah no I, I agree i think i have no doubt in my mind down a few time, a few years time, there'll be exactly plus size men, or maybe I don't know what's, what's the opposite of plus. I like really skinny guys. For I reckon right. they'll go both ways. I it's we're we're in this culture now. Um, not not to use like the PC word, but you know you got to please everyone. And it's in 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 a way, this bit's this is a good part of it because there's negatives and positives to that culture. But the good thing here is for people's mental health. I think for the women's now, it's got better. And then I think it's only for a short time until you got to get plus size men. In my opinion now i also think it's especially worth, with men yeah i also think it's worth stressing that you know as much as things are better with women now i think you know a lot of our girlfriends will tell you that it's still you know it's still not easy for them at all and they still no. face and oh, there's still so much work sure. to be done yeah 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 what do you, what do you yeah go on i was gonna say as well i think there's so many different factors that come into it like we said earlier like for girls and boys looking trying to look nice for the opposite sex or whatever sex um, or gender you kind of want to please. Um, then there's the one of like how social media can be toxic. I remember when Instagram used to have the likes and I remember people who still actually likes, used to go it? and go, oh, I haven't got enough likes yet. I've got to delete this. This is embarrassing. Oh yeah. And they'd say like, oh, accidentally delete. Uh, oh no, Instagram deleted it. it like, yeah. It didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you didn't get enough likes within an hour, she wouldn't. She was a I think, like, fair enough. You can do what you want, but it's not. It's not a healthy thing, is it at all? I, I get no. where it comes from, though. Totally, I get the sort of social pressure attached to it. And it's mm. like yeah. social media makes it so easy to look at your peers and compare yourself to your peers, yep. and that can often lead to very negative associations. And... Oh, I do think it is so dangerous because I think if you imagine, sort of, fifty years ago, our parents never grew up with this kind of pressure on their body, no. their image, their mental well-being. And I think they took a study uh, maybe like five or 10 years ago on sort of like the uh, mental stability of people in our generation and how it was comparable to uh, people who were in mental asylums in like the no brains. And I think that can only be because of this social media generation and mm -hmm. the sort of pressure that we've found ourselves upon. And maybe that's a combination of like yeah. school, schooling and sort of um, like family matters and stuff like that as well, adding into it. 
but I don't, I don't think that social media, I mean, obviously it's got many, many, many benefits, including, you know, posting podcasts, but, uh, <laughs> I think that it's, Shut it's, def- it's yeah. definitely, um, it's definitely worth a thought on limiting, I think your social media interactions. And it's something that I've tried to do in the last couple of months as well, where I've sort of muted like my Instagram notifications and yeah. sort of trying to take a lot more time to myself, like having a read before I go to bed at night and stuff like that. Also, one other thing I was gonna say, you see like, um, I think dating apps do it a little bit. This is just one thing I've noticed, um, me being the way I am, like um, not even just about weight here, about height as well and, and your body, right? Oh, so many yeah. girls on Tinder and lots of guys luckily are probably above six foot, but they go like, they post, I remember so many girls, but like, if you're not six foot, don't bother. Um, imagine being called a man and being under six foot. I've seen bios like that and I think, Bloody hell! I mean, I'm I'm quite small, but this guy's even smaller. I mean, I think the fact that people just go, "Oh, you're not six foot," and are doubting one that you're that you can be a man because you're not tall, and two thinking, "Oh, I won't find you attractive because you're small." I think how shit does that make every single guy who's under six foot? I think it's fair enough because some people have their own preference, but I think it's definitely been shaped by social media in that everyone's kind of wanting a guy over six foot almost as a trend. Yeah. Preferences aren't a problem, but why do you ha- why do you have to go out and, and make everyone like if you if you don't want six with people, right? Talk maybe once you match them, talk to them and then find out how tall. You don't have to put it out there on, on a bio to make everyone else who just comes across it feel shit. Yeah, no, I do you know what I mean? It's like six foot six foot one if that matters and stuff like that. It's like yeah, yeah. Although just... to be fair, if there are any ladies listening, I am six one. <laughs> if, if there are any ladies listening, I'm five eleven and three quarters, so it is six foot. Just technically, if you round up, so just bear that in mind. And Max um, is four foot eight. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm uh, yeah, uh, five foot ten. Let's go with that. Yeah, no, I'd say you're, yeah, yeah, that's about right. No, no that's no. Eight, eight, five, eight, five, eight. I look taller further away with shoes on. Yeah, <laughs> still, <laughs> still. <laughs> What, what what do you think about the normalization of say unhealthy body types like really really skinny or you know really 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 yeah overweight to be blunt did you ever see that piers morgan um of course, good yeah. one in britain with that yeah i think it was oversized was it a model on was it on the cover of vogue um yeah and or... i think anyone who hasn't seen that you, I'm not going to say whose opinion is right or wrong. That's not for my place. That's for everyone else to judge. But have a have a look at that. And it's quite interesting because obviously you've got one side that it's, it's making people feel comfortable in their own skin. And so they should be. And then there's also the other side of perhaps glorifying um, diets and health. That's obviously going to be, that's not going to be healthy for people. It's, it's an interesting debate to be have, I think. I think Lizzo especially has sort of brought it to the uh, forefront in recent times as well. With sort of her popularity and rise to popularity and her sort of... Um, I'm just Googling like, Lizzo, I'm, I'm not familiar. Yeah, she's, yeah, uh, she's a is, singer. So. She's a singer. She, um, I remember there's a video at the Brit Awards just oh, basically yeah. next like a whole glass of tequila <laughs> with Harry Styles. <laughs> That's the one that comes to mind. But um, so she's she's obviously a, a bigger woman. and yeah. um, But she's proud of that. And I think all power to her because yeah. she's happy in her own skin. But then also, where's the line between uh, publicising, you know, mm. a good body, uh, like a good mental health and sort of like opinion of your own body image, and then also 
actual physical ramifications yeah. down the line. I do it's, wanna, hard, it's a hard line. I do want to note as well, like, so the two examples there are referring to sort of large women. Equally, if it was large men, I think this whole discussion would still be taking place. It should be oh, this course, idea yeah. that, yeah, like, how, 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 like, I'm happy for people to be comfortable in their own skin and that's great, but in terms of normalising being un, what is an unhealthy weight in terms of, you know, you know, for example, coronavirus, obesity was a risk factor in coronavirus, for example. Yeah. And, and that's fine. It's your individual choice to be that size and that's fine. And yeah, like like Tom says, more power to you. But it's just, I think a lot of people are concerned about sort of kids growing up as well and seeing that. And uh, but it's, it's a really tricky one because equally, you know, you want people to be happy with who they are. Um, mm. But, it, you know, the, the other side to it as well is I think an example was given that would so so this really sort of plus size model that was what Pierce Morgan was talking about. You know, would you put a really 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 skinny person on the cover of Vogue, like unhealthily skinny? Maybe maybe like twenty years ago you would have done, but would you do it now? You know, I think his argument was sort of you probably wouldn't now because that is very much taboo and stigmatized now. Yeah. So it's like it's it's really interesting debate uh, to be honest, and one where I'm not sure where I really fall. Yeah. I mean, also going back to sort of like the, I mean, only female examples came up then with the whole sort of yeah. like uh, body image thing. Do you think the fact that we couldn't think of any male examples well, also I, leads I, into the fact that there isn't enough uh, sort of like men aren't comfortable enough to put themselves in that light as well? I was because say, of the way yeah. in which society is shaped. Mm. I was going to say a big one for me that I've listened to and I really rate for how he's come forward Tyson Fury. True. I'm, I'm pretty yes, sure I can't good. remember exactly weight he was, but he I think he lost something like was it nine, ten stone in a couple of months? I like, saw a yeah, I saw a photo Yeah, he was thing. he was huge, wasn't he? And he said about his mental health, obviously it wasn't just caused by laxes, a lot of things going on. But he said once he lost it, he felt so much happier in his own skin. So it, it does happen, it happens to both, it doesn't matter what what you are. Yeah. Tyson Fury lost hundred and thirty one pounds in less than two years. Yeah. Lots of for context, that's like what for seven stone, yeah, I six think, stone, something like that. I think people as well think don't realize how eat, how hard it is actually to lose weight. It's not it's like people used to have this stigma. I remember, especially at school, oh, fat people are lazy. Why can't I just go to the gym? And you know what? It's it's not that easy, is it? I mean, I I know some people that are quite large. Uh, I got family members that are large and go to the gym all the time, and, it, and it's hard, especially when you've got job stress some people eat uh, when they're stressed or sad don't they you don't know what anyone's going through i think it's it's so hard to either lose weight and, and the opposite as well for, for really skinny people it's hard to put on weight for some people it's not as easy as some people go do exercise to lose weight eat more to put on weight it's not as easy as i think it's ignorant when people say that i think the hardest thing is finding the time to really you know make these real lifestyle changes that you have to do like i think if anyone had five hours free in a day where they could fully focus on sorting out their diet and exercising then yeah they could lose or gain the weight they needed in you know a couple of months but the reality is you're living a life where you're either working or you're at uni you're at school you're trying to go out maintain a set well obviously not at the moment go out um, trying to maintain a loose sort of social life and finding that time to really actively work on your body um is really really hard um so yeah, no, I think that's a, a good point, Max, in terms of the sort of... Fat shaming's the idea, isn't it? This idea yeah. that shaming, yeah, fat people and saying, you know, you're too lazy and stuff. Um, 
Yeah. yeah. We've got to get a line. Sorry. Sorry, I was just saying, we've got to get a line of encouraging people and, and trying to help them without making them feel absolutely shit about themselves, really. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think there's such a onus put on weight as a sort of like measure as well. When mm-hmm. in reality, yeah. it's all about sort of like a lot of other factors like fat, uh, fat percentage, yeah. uh, like proportion of muscle, like um, water weight and stuff like that. Sort of in my own research and sort of like um, what I'm trying to do at the moment in sort of, I'm sort of running nearly every day. I'm doing boxing sessions. I'm sort of going to the gym and stuff like that. Jeez. I'm heavier now <laughs> than I think I've ever been because I carry quite a lot of muscle. But I'm yeah. probably carrying less fat, so I, like in my head I look better, kind of thing. Whereas like I weigh probably about fifteen stone at the moment, but you're, it's you're, kind of you're solid. huge. I remember going to the gym wow. with you, and I thought, "Fuck me, this." <laughs> I think an interesting thing you said though, Tom, is that in your own research you found that, which just means that sort of the stuff that is common knowledge is stuff that's not necessarily the most useful either for mental health or actually gaining results. Which is just quite an interesting thing, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think that if you look at the news, it's essentially what does that number on the scales? Whereas that, I don't think that defines um, whether we should be happy, sad. And there's also uh, the whole like BMI thing, which I think is complete nonsense because I've been essentially mm. overweight or obese <laughs> on every single BMI thing I've yeah. ever done because yeah. of my weight relative to my height. Whereas I've been sort of blessed and cursed with genetically massive legs from my dad anyway <laughs> so like I've never been able to sort of fit on that scale anyway kind of thing even at school I remember the PE teachers used to criticise BMI and were like literally it doesn't take into account muscle at all or body fat or anything it is just sort of quite a blunt instrument measure um, yeah you guys, absolutely. you guys ever get the Wii Fit at all? oh the balance board yeah the balance board used to yeah, tell you what it would be like obese or underweight wouldn't it was like, yeah. all right, damn, okay. <laughs> Always. And then I remember they sort of like made, it made you me sort of like round, didn't it? It actually made yeah. their stomach massive, yeah. where it's like, I don't look like that. <laughs> yeah, I remember my my mum, she went on there and it made her look huge. And she was like, bloody hell, sell this thing right now. I was like, hmm. I remember me, you do it with your dog as well. I remember lifting my dog up and going on the board and then it made me dog fat as well. <laughs> made like, me look like a stick. Right. Literally <laughs> made me like a stick. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I don't really consider that, but I guess if you're sort of, I mean, obviously when we were doing that, we were probably younger, like ten or eleven or whatever. But you can imagine if it's one of your parents and stuff like that, that could actually have quite a sort of negative <laughs> serious effect. effect. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Seeing your little like character on the screen going like really big or really small, it's like I don't know. you know, like as well. Um, and I know not everyone's into this, but you know, like with Snapchat, you've got that bitmoji, don't you? Right? Mm. Bitmoji, oh, yeah. however yeah. you say it, right? Um. And you, there was that when it first came out, you got to take a selfie, right? And it would give you your face, wouldn't it? And like, it actually gave you a face like yours. If he was a bit chubby, it would actually give you the roundest face you could get, like a double chin and everything. <laughs> I was like, bloody hell. What, when you think about it, it doesn't help. Because people, people don't want to see that, do they? Uh, okay, interesting point. But what, what, what would you rather then? They gave them a face that wasn't theirs, that was like something that wasn't them, which is what a lot of the sort of controversy around filters is at the moment. Yeah, there was no. this campaign about how, you know, um, or skin that wasn't realistic was being sort of displayed on filters and that was harmful to children because you'd put a filter on, your skin would be fine um, or, or yeah. look really good when in reality that your skin was like everyone, everyone's skin is, you know, everyone's yeah. skin suffers in its own ways. So it's that idea that of, I, I get what we were saying about the, you know, the bitmoji is a bit, you know, chubby faced, 
But if you're giving them an unrealistic, you know, of representation of what their face is, is that harmful in itself? I don't know. No, yeah. It's, it's that thing where I remember going up in sixth form, everyone had filters on, and then the big thing in the news was like, oh, everyone's putting filters on to make themselves look better and this and that, make their, was it, was it cheekbones and all this sort of stuff, like show? Yeah. yeah che- I, cheekbones is the thing, right? Jawline. Jawline, sorry. Jawlines, yeah. And I was like, oh, I, I get both. Both. And then there was, um, I feel this wrong, on my old phone, I remember playing around with it because you could make, I know people, but a lot of people did this, didn't they? Like made their um, parts of their body bigger and stuff. Isn't it? Uh, I, I, remember, I remember once mucking around mine and making my arm look obviously huge. I didn't post anywhere. I just, I just <laughs> did that for myself and I was like, this is my aim. So while we're on that, I guess then, what is your like personal opinion on filters and stuff like that? Because I think there's a difference between like a filter in terms of like a gradient and like shading and colours and sort of making yourself look a bit more tan, for example, as opposed to smoothing out all your features, changing the shape of like your face and stuff like that. What what are your thoughts on it then? Um, I mean, from my perspective, I don't often use them. So, yeah. I in my own narrow experience, you know, I can't really like. I don't use a filter if it's like a funny one with like a leprechaun hat or you know, <laughs> um, devil horns or something like that. But you know, I, I see the harm that they do, and I think on young people, young children, sort of you know, twelve, thirteen, who are first sort of entering this social media world and going into that. I think particularly when sort of big, you know influencer level people use them a lot um that can have harmful effects but i mean i'll be honest i i I don't know i don't know there's probably not been that many studies done because it's such a novel new thing um and like i say i don't really indulge in filters myself and you know in in general i think this might be an issue that affects girls more than guys simply because we don't really wear makeup i think would that be fair to say i i I don't know but i think yeah i think filters in some ways act as the photo version of makeup in a way and i think that's yeah. uh an insecurity like i remember i'm snapchatting some girls obviously and in the, in the morning we all look rough don't we like i look rough as anything and i'm snapchatting with my face I've and you in the morning Max. and yeah exactly it's not a good sight <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then girls i do do these like filters to hide their their face and stuff and i think but i don't think it's our place to say they can't do yeah. that. It, well, yes, it's 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 not a healthy thing to do. It, it isn't like looking at it objectively. It's not. But then, if people are feeling bad about themselves, and and that's the only way they're gonna feel better with makeup and stuff, then fair play to them. I think like for me, I I don't ever use to be honest the Snapchat filters. I think some filters are fun, fun and harmless. I do think like you know all the pirate ones and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're all jokes. But I think probably more serious ones are kind of like yeah the makeup one if you want to have that thing and then the instagram ones again like the black and white and stuff like that i feel like certain filters there's nothing wrong with it but then i've used a filter before and this is going back to the toxic masculinity thing i've had boys go to me why why you put filter on it it it, the, the idea of filters then again comes into full circle of of how how people view themselves and then again about with guys using filters, especially the toxic masculinity stuff. Which is, someone was criticising you for putting like an Instagram black and white filter on, is that what you were saying? It, w- it wasn't a black one, it was, um, I think it was a picture of me and Lally actually, um, when we was on holiday together. I kind of make it, made it look dark, just because I thought, not even because I was insecure or anything, because I thought I looked quite nice in that picture to be honest. Hmm. But um, I did it to make kind of the background look nice, and then someone just said, oh, 
just so again obviously i don't take that because well you know, i get called that every single day but for other I mean, people there's nothing wrong with that at all either no exactly there's so many more things that you could have been caught up on like but again like i said with the with the tinder profile i think if you've got nothing nice to say why do people have to say anything at all about things like that do you know what i mean yeah yeah no it's just stupid yeah yeah that's a strange one to be honest not yeah, I've not really heard of people criticising that. <laughs> like, yeah, it feels like but yeah, interesting, Max. Interesting. Tom, what are your thoughts on filters? Um, I guess similar to Max in the way that, yeah. I mean, if you want to put a filter on, you can go and do that. I think it's a dangerous game. And I think that also what Instagram have done recently where if someone's using, like if an influencer's using a filter on their profile, it actually does come up in like the little corner. Like it shows you the, fil- yeah. the exact filter that they've used. And I think that's a step in the right direction in terms of like if, people were to not realise that people were using the filter and then sort of get this unrealistic expectation. At least then they know that they're also, yeah, and I guess that they're also using a filter. Like, you're not alone in that influencers are going to use these filters because it wants to make them, they want to make themselves feel better too. Mm, I think. Um, But I think in terms of, I mean, because it leads into the conversation of catfishing, I guess, doesn't it, as well? Yeah. Where, like Max said, if you're on Tinder and a girl's using a photo to make themselves look uh, like more attractive or something like that and then you meet him and I mean you might be you might still be attracted and that's fantastic but then also if you don't uh, find the person as attractive as like they once appeared then it can cause an issue mm. and, and do you not feel no. self-conscious of that even when you go on Tinder and stuff like oh bloody hell I look different oh because I feel like that I feel like I look look a lot different on pictures than I do in real life I think there's I think I look relatively similar I think there's photos between the photos I might look different like depending on like the angle or whatever but then equally I'm not really that asked about Tinder anymore if I'm being quite honest like I've, I've had that I've had that go um, sort of like over Christmas and like when I was bored at home and stuff like that and kind of now I'm back I've got more important things to be dealing with to be quite honest I, I think on Tinder you try and present the best version of yourself possible don't you in the like five or six photos you you know narrow it down to and select so mm. I think that in itself creates an unrealistic expectation immediately no matter so I think that's just something you have to bear in mind as you are you know yeah. browsing through that you know this may not be the best sort of represent this, this may not be them um and other yeah. guys have done it as well like a, a girlfriend uh, i know who might listen to this might not but now i'm referring to them like had this exact thing with a with a boy where she met up with the boy and you know she thought he was tall and butch and was really really short and again nothing wrong with height but if people have preferences and you're led to believe that someone is you know a lot larger than they are or whatever and then they turn out to be short it's like you know you know there is a issue there and yeah that is a yeah. catfish in a sense so yeah I think that's something you have to bear in mind while using I feel like I was the guy no I don't think you were <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny also though. can I veer off topic for a minute as well yeah, of course sure. you can. if anyone's using Tinder one-liners in 2021 that are like really cringe ones can you just get a hold of yourself and have a long hard look in the mirror and just sort of think about what you're doing with your life because right, I'm not being funny Tinder Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sorry. I'm gonna. I'm just twiddling my thumbs. Oh, so, what do you mean? I don't. I don't like. Uh, it's the people who are using like the really cringy ones. Like, I just don't understand it. Any Tinder. So, like, I've had mates go on my Tinder before, and you know how they do. Where they're yeah, like, these outrageous lines and stuff mm. like that, trying to get people's attention. Fair yeah. enough, it'll get their attention. How are you going to carry it on? How are you going to match that sort of <laughs> level of conversation from this outrageous one-liner until you potentially meet this person or like carry it on and you're talking on Snapchat and stuff like that. It's, it, it, you can't expect to carry on that same like vibe, I guess, is what I'm saying. 
So why would you, like all the people that I've spoken to on Tinder before or met up with on Tinder, it has just come from normal conversation where it's like, hey, you look nice, how are you, kind of thing. What, what's think, quite interesting, yeah, what, what I've found as well or interested on that is that I'd say probably about 25% of girls' bios, like lots of girls don't do bios, i found, but in those that do, quite a good number of them are like, send me your best pickup line or, you know, hit me up with your best one line and stuff like that in a lot of Okay, cases. in that in that scenario, um, yeah, completely. But, like, yeah. it's the... So I, like, I get if, what you're saying, though, for sure. If people don't have anything on their Tinder profile, if girls don't have anything on their Tinder profiles or anything, and you're there, like, Googling a Tinder pickup <laughs> line, like, just don't... don't. But, yeah, that's just my two cents. I'll shut up now. <laughs> no, 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 I was just thinking that. Max, you got something to say on it? Because I think Max um, and I are both guilty I'll of be to... throwing one out there. <laughs> so... Oh, yeah, uh, no, I've been guilty myself really in the past, no, but, but I think I've just... Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. It's... I can't really comment on about Tom when you were going on about um, when you put a one-line on how to carry it on, because I never get any girl reply to me on Tinder. Oh, oh no. Oh. You're tearing no, my heart. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a hard one. Um, I don't know, because I, uh, usually I put a line on from their bio. When they don't do a bio, that's when I usually do more of a one-liner because it's harder then to... Because the thing is, if you say something boring and I apologise to anyone who does this, hey, or what's up, you got to get aired 99% of the time. Like, I've used Bumble once before and every single girl that messaged me was just, hey. And mm. I was like, oh my God. I've... No, I do I do agree with that. I think there's definitely a line to it. But then uh, it's kind of, you, you're instigating a conversation as well. So on Tinder, you know when you message and if I haven't got a bio, because obviously when people have a bio, you can message something about a bio, can't you? Like be clever. And yeah. usually like that. Without a bio, it's harder. And if you do something boring, a bit like, hey, you just got to get aired, really. I mean, like, girls on Bumble have done it to me, hey, and I've aired most of them and replied to a few, but it's so boring chat then, isn't it? Yeah. I just think it's a hard medium generally because some people will genuinely reply to, like, a nice sort of open, you know, message. general message. Like, hey, how are you? you yeah, yeah nice. if you had a good day, something like that. Some some girls will genuinely reply to that and really like that, and then others will just not care. Um, and yeah, yeah, be bored, or they want something more entertaining. So it's really hard to read in though, which is why yeah. you know it's for very few people. I think it's been successful for. Like, I haven't known many like, positive outcomes. The last one that worked for me that, was um, girls and Tinder, like straight away, like oh. boom. Yeah, it boggles my mind that to be honest. <laughs> yeah, go on, Tom. <laughs> really, uh, I was going to say the last one that worked for me was. Um, I, I think I matched with him like two months or like two and a half months before I message, and I was just like, hey. Uh, Sorry, I've not been on Tinder. I'm not playing the long game, I promise, or something like that. <laughs> and at least it's like something to pique the conversation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, That's yeah. the kind of thing that I'd go for. Or like, obviously, like Mike said, if you've got a bio, then it's fantastic to just sort of mention something that's in the bio. But yeah, I could understand mm. that if they've got like nothing to go on. To be honest, if they've got nothing to go on, I probably just wouldn't swipe for him in the first place. Oof. Might might be one tactic. And like that's what I mean. I'm sure the fucking I'm sure they're fucking lovely, but it's a first impression thing. If they've not got any personality in their bio, then it's not gonna be something that I'm, you, I'm looking for. Kind of also, thing. just while we're on Tinder, you can hear me right still. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. What about the um the old likes thing? Do you feel like that's a bit can make people feel really bad? Because most girls I know all get ninety nine likes and not too many boys I know. I know quite a few boys that struggle to get above twenty likes. Yeah. I, I get what you mean, but it's like, how else do you want to do it? Like, I know, I know, but I feel like it's the concept. Uh, of, yeah, it's the concept. It's, it's of the hard, until they think of something better, I guess it's a hard one when you compare yourself, I suppose, to other people. Yeah, yeah. 
I think it also depends on where you've been in the country while you've had Tinder as well, because mine's on like 70, but that's only because I've been on Tinder in like, I'm just yeah. trying to think where I've been in the last One, year. Two, I've been, I've been, been in like Leeds, tour, <laughs> tour Leeds, Leeds <laughs> Preston, Nottingham. I've been up in Stirling in Scotland. I've been down in Guildford. Yeah. Like it, it will <laughs> boost your numbers because you put, like if you go to somewhere and you're there for the first time, I'm sure it, I'm sure some. Yeah. Shropshire. Obviously there's nothing in Shropshire. There's just cows. So I've got none. <laughs> That's hard. Yeah. Yeah, it depends where you are. I get what you mean. Um, if you if you want to, what I was gonna say is, do you guys want to go through? I don't know. Maybe um, talk about kind of like your worst kind of body uh, thoughts or like time and how you got through it and how you regain that kind of motivation and self love for yourself. Um, I can think about it. Um... Do you want to go first, then, Tom? Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think. I. I, yeah, I mean, I guess the, first, the worst one for me was obviously in lockdown when I was sort of having that sort of, it was like colliding with um, exam period as well, uh, in like May, June, stuff like that. And it was just kind of, I just felt awful about myself and the way I was eating. It just like not 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 a single part of my life was healthy. And I hadn't done mm. any exercise for essentially two months while I was revising after uh, lockdown broke. I like started in March and I think I got about a month in and just crashed. Mm. And I just couldn't regain that sort of confidence. And the way in which, I mean, I never really consciously thought about it at the time, but the way in which I got back into it was, I think on the last day of my exams, or like after my last exam had finished, or submitted it at like 10 a.m. or 9 a.m. or whatever, I mm. instantly ran down to the local football pitch with my mate, literally just had a kick around, and I took like a few cans of Guinness and we just had a drink on the park and just had a chat. Yeah. And even in and of itself, like just going out on like uh, going, I think it was like two mile run, something like that to get there. And then just having a kick around and just sort of a ca- like a really, really casual sort of sporting uh, moment. And it kind of set me up again to go for a run like the following day and stuff like that. And that's kind of how I regained it. And then diet wise, I was pretty shit for a while. And then I got back to uni when I was sort of deciding my own meals. And that was when I sort of found myself in more control. So I was able to, uh, sort of feed myself correctly and stuff like that. So I guess there's no real conscious like m- eureka moment that I went through. Mm. But I think mm. if there's anyone listening who's going through something similar, you just got to trust the process and know that at some point things are going to turn around, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, fair enough. I can go through mine now. Um, shall I? Matt, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I- I'm not going to lie. I've not had as much of a negative relationship with my body as I've, a lot of people have. I'm not going to pretend I have. I've not had any mega real lows per se. Not that I've ever been really, you know, prime the rock or whatever. <laughs> I've just been very, like my metabolism is all right. You know, I've, you know, I've, I've just been quite comfortable, which I think is a really, I'm quite grateful that I've been in that position. But, you know, in terms of one I can sort of think of was, um, as you know, most of you probably know listening, uh, I ran another marathon. Um, Max, I don't know if you knew that. What? Uh, in 2018. Um, and sort of obviously in the build up for that, you're running probably four times a week. Um, you know, one run that's like above 20k a week and then the rest are a few miles, if not more. Then you're really watching what you eat because you need to do like, a, I can't remember, was it a carb? something you know you need a lot carbo of carbs. loading yeah that's 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 the term you need a lot of carbs and stuff and you're very much in a routine and then i did that and i had the marathon um mm. and when that's done 
you know, you suddenly that that's been your goal for the past 18 months, working towards that, eating towards that, training towards that. And you know, obviously for that whole 18 months, I wasn't a rigid robot. You know, there were very much times where I took it a bit more laxly. But in particularly the past, the, the couple of months before that, I was rigidly committed to it. And I'm not saying that was a problem in itself. It was the aftermath of that where I've done this amazing, incredible thing. But then suddenly I'm not running four times a week. I can eat what I want again. And that sort of explodes in quite a negative way because you just, you don't know what you should be eating. You don't know what's the right amount of, you know, is it okay to just devour loads of chocolate again um, or whatever, you know? So sort of finding what was right for me after that was very hard. I remember in first year, I think, um, Tom pointed out to me that I was eating like there are these sliced potato things I get. Um, yeah, they're and, nice style. Yeah, they are. They're lovely. But I was eating a whole pack of them, which really should have half. And someone pointed out to me, there's this link like, you're you're eating marathon sized portions still. Um and it was something I never really thought about before, but I was like, Yeah, maybe maybe you're right. Because I still had the appetite I had for the marathon, but I just mm. wasn't, you know, replace like keeping up with the exercise level of that to offset it. So well, that was so funny it's so dumb. funny you mentioned that because it completely missed my mind, but I was training for the uh marathon, the Manchester Marathon this April. Yeah, well, of course like, you were, April yes. twenty twenty. Um, mm. And it completely missed my mind. It probably contributed to my negative sort oh. of feelings towards food and exercise in March, April, May when it got cancelled with COVID. So mm. I was training from mid-December all the way up until the day it got cancelled, essentially. Um, and I remember, like at uni, I, I completely cut out alcohol, like completely cut out like bad food, and sort of February onwards. So like a month and a half of like really clean eating. I was like in my element, running. Like I was on track to probably do like a three and a half hour marathon something like that at oh, that yeah. point <laughs> smash and, mind and i just I, and, and then co and then covid happened and mm. i just completely lost completely lost all motivation but i was still eating a lot obviously and stuff like that and it's only really taken me until now where i felt like i'm fitter i'm probably the fittest i've ever been right now mm. um over that point in time but it's taken me so long to get back to that point where i feel comfortable with like the intake versus outtake and stuff like that so it's a really interesting point you say with like the marathon size portions and stuff like that. I, I, I never really thought about that before. Yeah, I think that might be a huge point with you actually. Like I think that mm. you know, that was so big for me and it took a real long time for me to sort of adjust again. I think what helped me in that situation was that so the marathon was in April and then I went to uni in September. So it was a case of I had exams and then I went to uni and was doing all these different new things anyway. Yeah. So I wasn't like left on my own to figure this out. I had a bunch of other stuff going on that I could channel my energies into that I was motivated to do. Um, it, it wasn't like, you know, like with you, Tom, you're at uni and you're still at uni, even though the marathon's been cut, oh, that, that thing's ended and, you know, it has not been that change of scene. Whereas for me, it was this change of scene. It was these new things going on. Indeed, I was in control of what I ate as well for like the first time ever. And I'm an abhorrent cook, like <laughs> I, I, I really am. Um, but you know, there was that element of control. I could sort of tamper and do things how I wanted to. And I could rectify those sort of marathon portion meals and stuff if I wanted to, if I could put my mind to it. So I think that's what helped me really, the sort of going into a new environment, doing different things, taking on new responsibilities, meeting new people. That was what sort of helped me out of that hole. Maybe why it wasn't, you know, it didn't hit me as negatively as, you know, it might have done, I think. Yeah, I think that's massive because, I mean, I went from uh, training every day, 
like day in day out and then covid happened and what do you do in mm. the depths of march and april when you've got no yeah. goal to work for no i mean at the time it like term would have finished it was easter break i had no uni work to even be getting on with i couldn't go and see my mates i was stuck in the house with i mean bless them they're lovely but my family like you yeah. know there's only a, there's only a certain amount of time until for sure for sure that's a point of contention like with like family arguments and stuff like that which may happen it's just like what what am i supposed to do with myself i think having a goal is such a big big thing in terms of how i motivate myself in general how i stay focused because a lot of people point to my work ethic how much stuff i take on but the reason mm-hmm. I take on so much stuff and have so many responsibilities is that I think that's the real way you find meaning in your life. If you have responsibilities, if you can have things you tick off or people that can benefit from the actions you do, which responsibility is fundamentally based around. So I think, yeah, having those goals, having those ambitions really is essential and something I do recommend for people who are in a slump, who are a bit lost and purposeless. If you try and take on more responsibility, and try and yeah find your purpose and way of meaning as, as a result of that yeah. I think I 100% agree with that for the first time ever I made a list of like new year's resolutions or like things I want to do this year or like stick to and I've got it stuck on my wall at uni I'm just looking at it now there's like a sub four hour marathon that's like my main goal top yeah. of the list for when I actually because like the 2020 marathon got rearranged so I'm doing it in October 2021 now so it's literally like a year and a half after, so I'm going to have to do like all the training process sort of like from mid-June onwards again. Yeah. Um, but hopefully I'll be able to see a f- sub-four-hour marathon kind of. Fingers crossed it goes ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, with the sort of announcement with like the um, the easing of lockdown and stuff like that, you'd hope so by October. Hopefully. Praying, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I've also written down like get a first in my summer modules, which I've never done at uni before because now I have the time to actually study and sort of hard. put my energies into that kind of thing and uh like visit new places after i've written down like uh visit two or three new places after covid and stuff like that and it's just like little things that i'm gonna keep my mind on almost whether i get a free moment in the day and i can like look at sort of like interesting places that i could go visit in the uk or elsewhere after covid and stuff like that just keeping my mind busy i think that's really really helps sort of my mental well-being for sure for sure max did you want to talk about your sort of lowest body Point. Yeah, go on. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Uh, I feel like both things you said, um, I actually think it's going to relate to a lot of people. So I think that's quite good that you guys have put that out there. I think uh, mine will be exactly the same. Mine's a bit more uh, about comments people made and have something in you, I think. Um, so if I go back to, for me, 2019 was um, a really good year for me. And I remember. The problem started for me was I was in Cavos, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously on a Lazola, you're kind of mucking about and you're topless because you're in the sun and things like that. And yeah. I remember one of my mates put a video of me topless, just like dancing with everyone else on their story. Um, and I've, I know I've always been skinny, but I was always quite confident in my body, if that makes sense. Because um, mm-hmm. I never had any negative comments. Like, I've never been bullied at school, very lucky in that respect. Um, I remember some guy I didn't know messaged him saying oh kind of like who's that skinny guy like oh he's he's disgustingly skinny or something like that i didn't know that oh. yeah yeah no to be fair i think i don't i've only told people the whole story i mean yeah. you come you both come into it in a minute actually funny enough oh. but um that comment there i kind of laughed it off at the time um but that comment there really really stuck with me um for a while and i think 
then I kind of that was that was on that started the road really for me to really dislike how I looked. Um, and I remember probably a couple months later, probably about September October, um, went clubbing or something like that again, and then another guy made a comment again in the same friendship group as that other guy. Obviously, I won't name who they are because I'm not going to drag their names through the mud. But he also said, "Oh, um, something like." Oh, imagine how the hell was he's so skinny or something? How the hell was he ever got of these people or something like that? Really, yeah. Mm. And then again, um, having again literally three people, and this one was a different one. Was like bloody hell. Someone said to me on a football pitch, bloody hell, you're so skinny or something like that. And it was like three comments in a row by three people, all who didn't know me, and it really got to me. And then people actually now remember talking to my friend Holly. Um, and she said, like, looking back now, you went really, really quiet because I think I just lost my confidence, really. But you, like, when football, my celebration was always taking my shirt off, right? And being a twat and just yeah, like throwing it around. <laughs> Ultimate shit yeah. house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And and people actually think about it now. People will re- remember. I stopped doing that at Ocean when everyone throws their tops around in the club. I stopped doing that. And I just had a really, really negative moment where I would not I mean even in front of my girlfriend I would not get changed I was oh, yeah, scared I to do that to me about them. Yeah. yeah so I to Tom I'll tell you this and everyone else like I remember coming home one night literally I think I only told four people house I literally come down I was so upset because I was like this there was this comment that was made and it set off loads of things on me like I now I'll take my top off in the club I won't even get changed from my girlfriend like and even in the house, I used to walk around like topless sometimes after a shower. And I started actually putting all my clothes in the bathroom, even like top and everything before. And I was like, I was obviously changing everything I did. And I don't know really when it, it kind of changed, but I started going to the gym. And I think, Tom, you and George were actually the first two people. Do you remember when you first took me to the gym? Uh, yeah, no, I do. Uh, David Ross. David Ross, yeah. He took me in the car journey because I think this was now January um, and I think I had like I think Charlie had a really good conversation with me and was like mm. interesting how you opposite to a lot of people he knows was like instead of being fat and feeling bad about it, you were skinny and feeling bad about it and he kind of gave me this big talk about how to kind of like yourself again and it helped and then Tom and George are great for getting me to actually start going to the gym and then loads of people like yourself Joe Bobby Kira and all these other people had great all started me going to gym and actually putting some muscle on. And I think since then I've gone back to how I was, but it was a really, really rough three, four months where I absolutely hated how I looked. I was literally afraid to any time get my top off at all. But I remember, I think in April time, I think I weighed eight and a half stone, I think. And mm. now I remember summer, just COVID has gone by, I think I was just under 11 stone. Wow. So oh, under yeah. Yeah, in that time, I've put on a huge amount of weight, and I can I, when I look in the mirror now, I actually see, although I'm still skinny, I still I see the muscle now. And pictures, are, if you look back on pictures now, for me from then, it's it's a huge, huge difference. But yeah, that was just yeah. me. It was just that was hopefully that helped some people. It's just how comments can make even anyone feel and go for a horrible tip. Like I was always a really confident person. Most people know me, know that I am. But even me, a couple of comments made by a couple of random people who really I shouldn't care what they think sent me into absolute couple of moments of really months of really hating myself and kind of being quiet in the corner really and not engaging. 
That's horrible that you went through that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I remember bits and bobs of it, but yeah, never really heard it like that before. Yeah, so. I was lucky enough that I had people like you two, Charlie, Bobby, all these people that started telling me how how good your body is and what they they wanted and stuff. But that drags me into another part. I think when you're in that way, it doesn't matter what people say to you, you're never going to like how you look. One girl I was speaking to yesterday again about this topic, she was saying like how like her boyfriend would tell her how beautiful she is about her body. But it doesn't matter what he says, she'd still think she doesn't look nice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah that's ridiculously yeah. common. Yeah. I think it's more common than you think, isn't it? Because I've had like some of my best mates, uh, girls I've spoken to all said, oh, your body's great. Da, da, da. Even my mum and dad have gone, come actually look good. Like topless, you should take top off on holiday more and all this sort of stuff. And you, you, when you've got that doubt, it doesn't matter who tells you, whether it's family or friends, you just doubt yourself, don't you? And it's it's hard. It's so hard to get out of that little little spell. 